uh, some of the things that we've been doing over the last five years. And tell them my name is Jonathan Thomas. I am from Pochepston. Um, my wife is going to join me now. We're going to sing for you, right? And uh, how many of you remember from what you just watched? Um, what's the percentage of Christians in Thailand? Less than one, right? I'll tell you why we say less than one, because if we say one, we're going to count Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Catholics. Plectrum stuck in the strings. Oh! Yeah, but still making someone without the picture. Okay, so the song we're going to sing is, uh, it's called Vision, right? You mean? And um, it's basically a prayer by, by a Thai Christian saying, Enable me, O Lord, to reach my people. Enable the, the Thai people to open their eyes and their hearts so that I... So it's written from a first-person perspective, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a prayer. It's like, O Lord, won't you enable me um, to tell them the truth, help me to, yeah, tell them the truth so that they know um, and that they will accept you and that they will have life in you. And the reason I, uh, I invite you in because people say they always hear me speaking but they never hear her voice. So <laughs> hopefully you'll hear, hear her voice today. Years. I'm 37. Um, Janine is five years younger than me. 
I, I laughed because last week we were in Durban somewhere and uh, you know after the service we were standing outside and, and someone walked up to us and they said to us, you guys look like <laughs> father and daughter. <laughs> 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 and uh, oh man, it's a big button. This week I was trying to like run extra. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. And I just want to share with you, maybe a few things will um, um, offend you. Um, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to offend you. I'm not afraid to say what I need to tell you today, right? Uh, I'm a nice guy and I really want to be your friend. Uh, I don't want to offend you. Uh, but if it's offensive, I, I don't apologize to you. Uh, but I just want you to hear what God is saying to the church. Right? Mm. I think um, I think if we want to be true followers of Jesus Christ, just like it says in Matthew, it shows us in the Gospels. Um, according to the songs that we sing, you know, do we really need those things? Um, so yeah, I, I want to challenge you, and uh, uh, as I challenge myself during uh, uh, the work of church planting, right? How many of you know what church planting is? You know, you know, church planting can look very different in, in, in different countries. That, um, we, we don't build any buildings, right? Um, the work of church planting that we're doing is pioneer. It's right at the grassroots level. So my work is literally getting up in the morning uh, sometimes, uh, getting together with my buddies, uh, or my friends, my co-workers, a Thai person, and walking the streets of the community that I live in and sharing the gospel with people. Until we get a group together so that we can tell them what Jesus asked us to tell them. And so that they can become followers of him and obey his command. So that's my work, right? So when you think of church planting, uh, don't think I'm, I'm, I'm doing anything extremely extravagant. Basically, I uh, learned the language, I've learned the culture of people, I live amongst them. Janine and I, we eat the food. Stuff that we can uh, follow. Uh, uh, Thai food is nice. Come on, what are you talking about? So we get to eat it every single day, right? Now, I mean, you pay unbelievable Thai stuff. I pay like twenty rand. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I just want to encourage you from God. So you know, we've lived in Thailand for five years now, and um, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I, when I, when I, you know, you've heard the Great Commission, right? You've heard Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen to twenty. You can tell it back to me in reverse. You've read it, you've got stickers about it. Uh, your pastor probably mentions it over and over again. But how about how how how, how obedient are we to what God is saying, what Jesus said when, um, when he comes to Matthew 28? And the last the last words really recorded in Matthew. You know, I, I often tell the churches, but what I preach, the sermon is not for you, right? I preached about 20 times already. Jesus could have told us anything before he left. He could have told us about marriage, he could have told us about um, you know, going to church, about prayer, about all those things. But he said, go and make disciples of the nations. Luke was similar, I sent you, right? Uh, the, the passage that was just written. But what, is, what has happened to the church today? Why aren't we going up? Why aren't we doing that which Jesus asked us to do? When he called uh, Peter and the fishermen uh, on, those, on those first days, he said, come follow me, right? What are the words that preceded that? Or what came after that? And I will show you how to catch men, and I will make you fishes of men. That was the call. Come and follow me. Be my disciple. Give your heart to Jesus, basically. And then catch men. Mm. You know, uh, sometimes we say, give your heart to Jesus and dot, 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 you know, whatever it may be. 
Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishes of men. You know, uh, I lost my introduction. I'm not going to the Oscar today, right? But, you know, Janine and I, for a long time, um, being in Thailand is hard, right? Because we went there and nobody did. What they do is all meth takes you in. Sorry, if I say all meth and SIM, just remember we're working with both, right? So all meth take, two takes you and puts you in a, in a town where nobody speaks English because they want you to learn the language, right? So we, we were placed in a town where nobody speaks English and we were placed in a church where nobody speaks English. And so going to church was really hard. We would get up on Sunday morning and be like, should we go? <laughs> no, I'm serious, we were missionaries, like full-time missionaries. Like three months later, we were like, should we go to church? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it was really hard. It was really hard. We would jump in the, in the, in the, in the transportation. We hopefully would get to the destination. Uh, 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 a taxi, or not a taxi, a something which is basically a bucky with benches on either side, and you sit on either side, and we go carry our kids, and it's hot, and we don't understand anyone there, everybody looks at us strange, we get to church, and we speak to people before the meeting, and we don't understand what anybody's saying before the meeting, and then we sit in the meeting, and we don't understand what's going on for the whole one and a half, two hours in the meeting, and then every time church ends with, with lunch, right? I don't know if you noticed, but today I noticed that every announcement was about food, even general. <laughs> You gotta just be careful about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious, I'm serious. And you got me off track. But yeah, even, even, even lunchtime was hard. And so we learned how to like fake it till we made it, right? So we would say yes, 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 and shake our heads and smile at people. And we had no idea. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was a method that we used to pick up the keywords, right? And once we picked up the keywords, we could ask a question and get back on track. But I think sometimes when we read the Great Commission, we do the same thing. We say, yes, amen, brother. It's, it's a command of God. But how, how much do we really understand it and how much do we uh, want to be obedient to it? You know, sometimes I think we might we smile and we nod politely in agreement to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, but we tune out some of the important aspects of this last and important command of Jesus Christ. Like I said, it must be a really important thing for Jesus to, to leave us with if it was the last thing he chose to say to us or to his disciples and us. You know, in, in, in Matthew chapter 28, in the Thai contemporary uh, Bible, it uses the word poor cow or poor tan. And that message or that those words reflect a corporate responsibility. So my first thing that I want to say to you um, as, I, as I read Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, is that this is a command for every, each and every one of us. It's a call to each and every one of us. And Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Father, we thank you that we can come and pause and be quiet in these moments. But I pray that the Spirit will be working deep in our hearts, that we would understand what the Spirit of God is saying to us, that you convict us, that you teach us, just like your words and your Spirit will lead us into all truth. And I ask that you would lead us into all truth, um, that, that you would take away every distraction, and that you would help us to be obedient to your commands, just like we are obedient to all the others, that we would be obedient uh, to this, which is written in Matthew 28, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a call to all. And you know, I made a, I made a few judgmental statements on 
I said sometimes we tune out. What Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 and 20 say to all of us. So that's a judgment, right? I said, you are not obeying Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 and 20. And how can you say, how can you say that, Jonathan? Well, it's clear that only a small percentage of the church actually got and get involved in uh, reaching the nations or reaching the people around us. You know, you can see uh, clearly the emphasis and the passion that a church has. Uh, we've been to many churches, colored churches, white churches, Indian churches, black churches, Western Cape, KZN, all over the show. And easily when you walk into a church, you know where the passion is. You know uh, how much they've invested in, in the building or the, the, the music. Oh, I'm glad you have a building, by the way. <laughs> uh, building. You know, some churches, it's all about the building. It's like getting building and building and this and that. And it's all about them. And eventually you start to see, okay, this is what drives this church become bigger and bigger and better and better and, and that's the passion. Or maybe it's the staff or maybe it's something else. But how many churches can seriously say we have a passion for the people that are out there. We have a passion for the nations. We have a passion for the community. We have a passion for our neighbors. And you can clearly see that uh, by visiting many churches. Or often we compartmentalize missions and we say, okay, this is, you know, we have missions and then we have you then we have you know what I mean, right? It's one of the pro one of the many programs. But why did Jesus establish the church? Your pastor said it this morning, so that you and I can be the instrument to reach the people out there. You and I are the instruments of reaching the people out there. Rick Warren says it, right? He says if your church is healthy, growth will occur naturally. If your church is healthy, Grow to look at nationally. So if you are a healthy church, that means you're already reaching the people outside. The church will grow naturally. Healthy, consistent growth is a result of balancing the five biblical purpose. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and mission derived from the Great Command and the Great Commission. So you and I were created for worship, and we were created to lead the people outside to worship Him. That's the reason God created us. You know, when Jesus' disciples, the twelve, made disciples, they continued to make disciples. The pattern didn't stop there. If I had to ask you, do you remember the person that led you to Christ? Do you remember? Yeah. Who did you lead to Christ? And what about that person? Who did they lead to Christ? Or did it just stop with, with us? How many generations? You know when you talk about generations, I'm not talking about like, like age and centuries and, and years. I'm talking about how many generations can you count from the people that led you. Imagine if the people, the person didn't count you. <laughs> okay, that's another topic. But, but still, you know. How many generations can you count? You know, when Jesus' disciples went up, it was disciples making disciples making disciples. Third, fourth, fourth generation followers. You know, discipleship is not a cost for it's not a cost. Uh, sometimes I'm sorry, I'm sorry if we have a discipleship cost, but discipleship is not a cost. It's, it's, it's who you are, it's your life. You will always be a disciple of Jesus Christ until you return. You will always be swallowed. You will always be called to make fishes, be a fisherman. So, how many generations can you count in your lineage, or does it stop with you? But you say, Jonathan, you are out of context. This command was for the 12 disciples, not for us. 
But Jesus said in, in, in the last part of Matthew chapter 28, And surely I am with you always till, till the end of the age. And I told me you always you talk back to the preacher, right? So I'm going to say that. Right? Okay? Always till the end of the age, right? Have you reached the end of the age yet? No. So, thus, yeah, the 12 are gone. So it's me and you. God has, has commanded. He's promised that His favor is going to be with you till the end of the age. You know, you may be unsure about who to marry. You may be unsure about where to live. You may be unsure about which job to take, what course to take, what clothes to put on. <laughs> you can be 100% sure that as you go out to make disciples, Jesus is with you and He's promised to be. That's the reason millions of missionaries or thousands of missionaries can actually pack up their bags and leave and not, not look back. I was reading a book, a book by uh, Judson and uh, it, he was talking about how they, they, they kind of literally packed their stuff in the coffin, right? Because they weren't coming back and they didn't know if they had coffins where they were going. So they packed, oh man, yeah. So they packed all their stuff and they went on ships without even thinking that anyone was going to visit them or they were ever going to come back. And many of them But Matthew chapter 28 and the Great Commission is not a call only to all of you, but it's a call to action. You know what action is? It's a verb, right? You need to do something. You need to get up. Count the verbs here, right? Go, make, disciple, baptize, teach, obey. You know, this morning I, I'm going to uh, do a bit of a promo, right? I'm going to ask you that if you are willing to, to give, and I'm going to ask you if you are willing to pray. But you know, Matthew chapter 28 has nothing to do with giving and praying. Hmm. It's about going, teaching, obeying, making disciples. And you know, we interpret the word go in so many different ways. You know, I've been to some churches and, and I do this wonderful presentation, right? And the pastor comes up and he says, yeah, you know, um, we all can't go, but we can give and pray. You know what? We've consoled ourselves with we console ourselves with the fact that we can pray and we can give and we leave the missions to the missionaries. No. There are five verbs here. Go, make, disciple, baptize, teach, and obey. And so we interpret go, we, we, we dissect that word. There's only two alphabets. I was talking to someone recently and he said, even his grandson understood, two-year-old grandson, understood what go meant. It meant get up and do something. Go. But we've, we've changed it. So it's a call to action. And it's not a geographic action because not everybody can just up and leave, right? But we can go to the desk next to our desk. You can go to the office next to your office. You can go to your neighbors. You can go to your relatives. You can go to the school. You can go um, to the park. Everyone is called to go. Turn to someone next to you and ask them, how are you going? Turn to someone next to you and ask them, where are you going? Come on, come on, come on. Anna told me you guys that you listen. Am I making you afraid? How are you going? Where are you going? Or, how are you going? Basically, how are you going? Right? Or are you going anyway? You know, uh, I just thought about, about this. You know, we, uh, we pay gym membership to cycle on a bicycle that goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's really good. You know? Yeah. We're on this bicycle, we're giving and we're praying and we're going nowhere. Yeah. So you can. 
you can go five meters or you can go five thousand kilometers. It's a call to action. It's a call to all. You know, one of the things that uh, you know, I thought this was going to be a break, right? Home assignment. They say it's a little bit of a break, right? And so I uh, <coughs> let's make sure I don't go off time, right? You still with me? You're not still with me? Okay. If I go to ten thirty, okay. Okay. Ah, that, that's a good sign. So. You know, my, my, my eight-year-old son was explaining to him what cricket was, right? And I, I explained it to him and I told him the, the beautiful sport it is and how exciting it is. And, and late nights, summer nights, and you're watching TV and you're screaming and you're doing things like that. You know, <laughs> passion, you know? And I, I explained the whole thing to him. It took about 15, 20 minutes. And by the end of it, you know, he was really excited and he looked at me wide-eyed and he's like, can we download it now? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, it's not something you download, right? So we come back to <laughs> So we come back to South Africa because I mean nobody thinks we can tell right? And so we come back to South Africa and I'm and I'm stuck. The day after we arrived, you know, off the plane, sleep one night, get up excited, you know, forget about the jet lag or whatever, you know, just excited to be back home. And uh, I get out and at the airport somebody gave him the money cricket set, right? You know what the shorts and stumps say. And we get out into the lawn and we, we put in the stumps and I was going to teach my son how to play cricket, you know, because I didn't get that opportunity. So, you know, I walked to the, to the gate to, to take my run up and as I turned towards the gate, there's two people standing there. And I was like, oh no. I know, I know they are, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Lord, I just came back from Thailand, I just got on the plane. And I stood there <laughs> and, and we still we spoke and I mean I look back and I hadn't even bowled a single ball to Sam and he was waiting and he was like how is it? And then two weeks later I had another another uh, encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses. But this time it was different. This time there was a, an older uh, white woman with a, with a little colored girl. Her name was Lily. Uh, and I know her name was Lily because uh, just at the beginning of the conversation uh, the old white woman said to Lily, or she asked me first, she said, can we read you uh, a verse from, from the Bible? I said, yeah, sure. And, uh, and then she turned to Lily and she said, Lily, uh, will you turn to Psalm so-and-so? And, and, and Lily was, was opening up and I said, oh, hi Lily, uh, how old are you? And Lily said, uh, oh, Lily, Lily hardly spoke, right? And, uh, and the old lady said, oh, she's 11. You know where I'm going with this? Taking 11-year-olds, training them to be witnesses of something that's not even the truth. How far have we fallen from that? And Lily was all excited and she opened the Bible and she read the psalm. And then they, and they said, thank you, Jonathan. And, and they walked up to the next to the next to the next place. And you know what? I, I admired them. I said, you know, even though their knowledge and truth is, is all mixed up and, and, and false daily, but they still have a passion to make that known and train 11-year-old children to do the same. But it's teaching them, right? Discipleship is not a course, it's a life. 
It's not just it's not just teaching them, but it's teaching them to obey, right? If you read there, right? It says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, one of the things I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be quick, right? Because I know I can I can talk for a long time. But this 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 life, this discipleship life with Jesus, it's not a knowledge-based thing. It's an obedience-based thing. Discipleship is not knowledge-based. It's obedience-based. To be a follower of Jesus means to do something, to, be, to obey Him, to walk with Him, to follow Him. It's not how much you know about the Bible. It's how much you actually obey and follow His commands. I'll tell you why. This hit me. This hit me big time when I got to Thailand. You know, we meet them, we walk up to people, we present the gospel, we ask them to say the sinner's prayer, they repeat after me. If I walk forward, will this affect Mike? No. And they accept, they, they, they pray the prayer, right? And they're in. And we take the date down and we celebrate with them and they follow in Jesus, right? Well, we try them. And, and, and people were sincere. They were sincerely praying the prayer. I said, Jesus was going to forgive you of your sins. We said, yes, we want that. And you're going to be with him. Yes, we want that. But then the next day, they, they went back to, to their old ways. They were back at the temple and they were uh, wearing the, the, the amulets. And, and, and so, I, you know, it was, it was a matter of, you know, we went out and, and five people said the prayer. And I, I write to my newsletter the next day, whoa, you know, uh, praise the Lord. We, we, uh, three people just gave their hearts to the Lord and... Uh, yeah, just continue to send in your money and uh, we'll do the work, you know. But, but my, my, my mission journey has not been like that. Missionaries have been in Thailand for 150 years. There's Christian schools and hospitals and all sorts of things. And, and the, the number of Christians is not even a million. Under 1%. So we couldn't judge the number of people who, who genuinely followed Jesus, right? Converts, you want to call it, right? We couldn't judge the number of converts by the number of people who said the prayer, who knew how to say the right things to us. I just, we just got back just before homeless and we spent two years, two years, sitting with a woman and teaching her the scriptures and telling her what Jesus expected. And she phoned us after two years and she said, don't come back. So how do you judge someone who's following Christ? Not by how much they know, but how obedient are they to following the commands of Jesus Christ? And so now, when we when we lead someone to Christ, we say, "Go tell, go tell your family, go tell your neighbors," and we can judge very, very, very quickly those who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ from those who are not. So we tend not to emphasize that Jesus, what Jesus called them to, right? He called them into a life of fishing for men, making disciples. It wasn't just follow, follow me and learn what I learned my teaching. No, it was follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Sometimes it was follow me and sell everything. There was always this, this uh, call to obedience. But it's not only teaching them to obey, right? It's teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? Uh, verse 19 says, baptizing them. Right? Baptizing them. Who must baptize? The Baptist church, right? <laughs> Who's the last baptist? All of you. Mm. You are the chosen priest of God. 
He chose you before the foundation of this world. He has given you, he said, all authority. You are the picture of God. And if you are the picture of God, then you have the authority. Imagine, Chris, if somebody had to come to you and say, you know what? Yesterday I baptized my neighbor's whole family. Hmm. Let them to Christ and baptize them. You won't have any space. You, you need to build a building <laughs> Right? Baptizing them. You know why the church is not growing? It's because we feel like only a specific, only a few of us are called to really do what Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 26. Like I said, we tune it out, right? We tune it out. There may be different roles in the church and different gifts, but we are all the priesthood of God. We are all sons and daughters. God chose you in His mercy. He, may, he could have chosen others, right? We spoke about the grace of God, right? You're a Baptist church. God chose you. You didn't choose Him. He chose you. There are others out there that He didn't choose. He chose you and He's given you all the blessings, all the spiritual blessings. He has given you His Spirit. He's given you His Word. So operate in that capacity as the priesthood of God. You know, Romans chapter 8, in verses 8 and 9, it's a wonderful section there. And it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know what he's talking about there? If God chose you before you were born, if he chose you, amidst all the things that could have came in the, come in the way, if God chose you, who can, who can come against that? And so this morning I want to tell you, God has chosen you. You are the priesthood. You are the disciple maker. You are the missionary. You are the church planter. God has chosen you. What can come against you? If you need, if you need a, a transcript, tell, tell the person, there's a transcript. I know who I am. I know who God has made me to be. No creative thing. Nothing is going to upset that. So, let me close by saying, what, what stops us, right? I'm not going to come here and tell you why, why it's so hard. Uh, without giving you some tips, right? And saying, what's the problem? Fear. I would fear. We were afraid. Right? Uh, ask me, I'll tell you. I was afraid. <laughs> I wasn't afraid just before we got to the mission field. I was afraid on the mission field. Because, you know, we, uh, we got there and uh, they put us in, in, in that, that, that city where nobody speaks English and we, we went to language school and we learned uh, Thai and uh, you know, that's all honeymoon, right? Because everybody's bathing you and then they put you into your, your ministry context, right? And do you know where they put pioneer church branches? They put pioneer church branches where there are no churches, right? And, uh, you know, in the middle of where the, there's the need, right? And I remember sitting in the, in the director's office on the second day and he said to me, uh, Jonathan, where would you like to serve in Thailand? And, you know, I wanted to really go to China, but I chose Thailand instead. And I said to him, let me go as north of Thailand as possible because that's as close to China as possible, right? And I said to him, and I said to him, can we go north as, as north as possible, right? I, I, you know, we, we went to Thailand, we, we didn't even do a vision trip, we didn't see photos or anything like that. We were just sold out, like, we'll do what you want us to do, Lord. Um, and um, <laughs> so he said, I said, can we go to the north? Because, I mean, he stumped with that question of, like, well, I, I, like, north? Can we go as north as possible? He said, how about the South? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was thinking South, right? He was hoping I'd say South, but I said, I said, North, and then he said, how about the South? And I said, okay, we'll go to the South, you know, it's fine, we, you know, we're 
He said, yeah, he's from South Africa. There's an Aussie there, you know, you'll be fine, you know? And, uh, and so we decided to go to the South and then we went, we didn't know anything about the South and we went to language school and our teachers would ask us, the Thai language teachers, right? They would ask us, so what are you going to serve after you? And we was like, the South, they're like, the South? <laughs> Even Thai people don't go to the South. <laughs> They're afraid because um, on the borders of Malaysia and Thailand, there's, there's terrorism. You know, um, we're about two or three hours away from the hotspots. We go there sometimes. But uh, yeah, and so the Thais wouldn't even go anywhere close to that. The central Thai and the northern Thai people. The south is like a war zone. <laughs> but the Lord called us to the south to, to a place called Nakhon Si you know, if you type in Nakhon Sitamarat in your Google search and you get images, you'll see temples, just temples. Temples, temples, and temples. Buddhist temples. So fear, you talk about fear, let's talk about fear. You know, God took us and he placed us in a place called Nakhon Sitamarat. I'm dark. Thais don't like to be dark. They want to be fair. You know, if I take you to Thailand, more people want to speak to you than want to speak to me. Yet you have no idea what they say. They, you know, it's, it's crazy, you know. But God sent us there and He gave us a language. And so my question was, or the thing I asked myself is, who, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid of these people, of the spirits that reside within their communities and their homes and in their lives? Or am I more afraid of, or more, is there more passion in me to be obedient to what God is calling me to do? You know, what's the stronger driving force here. Is it my fear of these people or making a mistake with the language, which I often did? Or is my, my, my passion to be obedient to Jesus' command? And you know what, what one? The obedience to God's command. And you know, for a long time, for a long time, I, uh, I thought it was up to me to change people's hearts. Because we've been rejected, you know. I remember the first couple of times I went out and came back to my bag and said to me, I need to go back home. <laughs> you know, because people would say, We have a religion, I'm a Sasana Leo, I don't have a Sasana Hong Kong. You know? And I come back and I'd be upset and don't want to go out again. No, it's not my responsibility. It's God's Holy Spirit that works in, in the lives of people. But fear. Right? We have fear. Um, we don't know how. Right? We don't know how. How many of you know how to share the gospel? Okay. How many of you know who Jesus is? How many of you know? How many of you know what He's done for you? Where He's brought you from? You see, that's what people need to hear. The theology and the verses and the stuff can come later. Tell people who God is to you. Minister to their needs, their circumstances. Pray for them. You know, if there's a spiritual pulse, then you can bust up Romans, you know, and start with all of sin and fortune and glory. But yeah, then, then you can go. But just just make sure that, that God is what God is working in the heart, not you. Like I said, right? You may not know how. So my point is you may not know how, but you know who. That's that's what we're gonna tell them. We want to tell them about Jesus. Yeah. We don't want to bombard them with some apologetic methodology. You know, if you think 150 years and less than 1%, 
what method hasn't been used in heaven? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, we go there and the missionaries are of 20, 30 years old and they're like, yeah, we know it's done. I'm like, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, we, we just rely on God, rely on God, rely that He will make a way. Will you be rejected? Yes. John 15, 18 to 20. If the world hates you, keep in mind, he hated me first. If you belong to the world, you would love it as your own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. If you're not like the world, the world is going to hate you. If you're the, if you're the holy Joe at work, yeah, your friends are going to pick on you. You're going to be the odd one. You're going to be the Bible gasher, or whatever they may call you. Remember, you hated me first. You're going to be rejected. Yeah, you're going to be rejected. You know, when I first uh, went to Thailand, we, we started an English class, and nobody came. <laughs> <laughs> we put a big banner, and rented a building, and, and we, we made up the front, and, you know, flashing lights and everything. And nobody came. And um, so one of my co-workers went to the photocopy shop, Caucasian Australian, he went to the photocopy shop, he'd been there for a long time, and immediately the, the people at the photocopy shop said to him, please teach our children English, you know, and he's like, what are you talking about, we just teach down the road, and they're like, wait, you know, they were the traffic line, just a few, few, few meters away from the traffic line, next to the shop. Oh, you mean the Nigerian? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're afraid the Nigerians are going to steal our kids. <laughs> and that's what they told him. That's what they told him. So for a long time we lived in a community that was actually afraid of us. <laughs> Amongst the people that were afraid of us. Until they thought to be pregnant. Oh well, you know, we were all living in there buying the stuff and walking in front of them every day and then they saw a little girl, a little baby being born and then a little girl came walk, walking along with us and, uh, and then they say to us, oh no, she's, she's part of us now, you're part of us now. So will you be rejected? Yes, you'll be rejected. Will they slander you? Yes, they will slander you. But let me show you what, what happens, right? Um, let's do the video. Um, I don't think they, I don't know what you bring, but this, this is the video. I want to show you uh, what happens when, when all of you, just pause one second. I want you to read, read the, the, the subtitles, right? Really carefully. One of the subtitles says, this has happened because of new believers' commitment to making disciples of church planting, if I'm not mistaken. Right? New believers' commitment to church planting. This is what discipleship is. It's when you receive Christ, you go out and you share the gospel and, 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 and you believe and making a commitment to, to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Right? This group of people, I visited, I, this is not me, right? I told you I'm having a hard time being back to this entire So this, this, happened, this happened this year in October somewhere. And this is a new strategy that's, that's been tried out in Thailand. Um, and uh, you can put the lights up, I'll talk in the dark. Um, this group, we, we visited them um, just before I could, could get back home. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. 
listen carefully. If you forget everything that I said today, it's okay. Just don't forget this, right? We sat around and we had 15 chairs in a circle. And the person that was leading the group hadn't been a Christian for more than two years. There was no pastor. There was no worship team. There was the Bible. There were song books. And there was a block of wood. You know, you need to keep rhythm with a block of wood and a piece of metal. And we sang and we worshipped. Right? And then when it was time to uh, preach, well, we gave offerings. And when it was time to preach, this two-year-old Christian opened the Bible and we read it once, we read it twice, and we asked ourselves five, five simple questions. Right? Because there was no pastor, right? And she facilitated the conversation. And at the end of it, we asked ourselves, how are we going to be obedient
what our churches would be like if we all witnessed to two people. That's great. Father, we just thank you that uh, the word is clear and the word is available to us. And uh, I just ask that you give us the eyes and the hearts to hear and to see and to obey. Um, that, that you give us boldness in, in the face of fear. That you give us courage. 